0: Well, I'm walking in the woods again. I'm about to embark on the second ever podcast that I've ever done. I did have a lot of really good positive feedback, actually, for the first one. And some ideas given to me about topics to cover. And there's lots to cover. Let's see, it is Friday, the 29th of November. It's an awful lot colder than it was on the 17th when I did my last podcast. It is very cool, very fresh, and one of those really sort of early winter days. Bright sunshine, all the leaves in the woods are golden, nearly all of them have fallen from the trees, and it's quite beautiful actually. It's about half two in the afternoon, I'm looking out across... The common and this is the place that I remember back in May it would be May 2018. I came up here with a friend and her children and ours. And we were all coming up for a walk, and the one thing that I really noticed at that point was that Ben was obviously very tired, and this was before his diagnosis, and he sat. On this, it's like a log tree trunk uh, seat up here, and I took a photo because he had his head in his hands and he was exhausted. And it was really poignant because when I look at him, and then I was looking at the other children playing on the swing that was hanging from the trees, it was a profound difference between. Him and everybody else, that was another worry. It was just before he was diagnosed. But I also remember how, after a few minutes of sitting down, he refused to be put off and he managed to get up and keep walking and was chatting away with a friend of his, bubbling away as he always did. And at that point, sort of temporarily stopped worrying. And now, in the cold light of day, things are very very different. So I had a good amount of feedback from a number of people who have listened to the first podcast and obviously I invited people to come up with ideas and topics to cover and there is a lot to cover. It's such a huge subject with a huge amount of emotion behind it and I will do my best to cover those topics from our perspective and then as time progresses I really hope to be speaking to some other family members of perhaps our own family but also um, other bereaved parents who sadly are in the same position as us. I'm actually finding as time goes by that it's getting harder and harder to believe what's happened be honest, I didn't know what to expect, and I, th- I don't think anybody knows what to expect. But you're in this complete, permanent state of shock, and it feels like if people were looking at me, my face is just wide eyed and uh, pale. In reality, hopefully, I just look like me, but inside uh, that is the imprint that I feel is displayed most days (laughs) as I try and find ways to cope through the day. We've set up this fundraising target of £5,000 for Ben's Epic Christmas Boxes which has been received phenomenally well and we are today, as we speak, we are just over £4,600 which is incredible, not something we were expecting, I suppose, in some ways, but hoping for. I miss him so, so much. I'm wandering down past the dens as we speak, and this is another area that just a few times, you know, in the early days of just moving to our home, the children with their friends would play at the dens, and they would just muck about, really, and play hide and seek, build these little crisscross wigwams at the bottom of the tree trunks and it was good fun. And it's something that replays in my mind from time to time, like all sorts of memories that are going through my head at the moment. And it's such a beautiful memory and yet coated in unbelievable pain and disappointment and that's really really hard to deal with The hardest thing about memories is the fact that James and I were talking the other day and it's we're sort of looking at pictures of Ben and believe me we can't look at many before falling to pieces and you sort of realise and it goes over and over and over in your mind there's no escaping the fact that as our children grow as our girls grow as their friends grow as all of their friends grow and get older Ben stays 12 you know we had 14 months of traipsing backwards and forwards to hospital so we have a lot of vibrant hospital memories a lot of painful, worrisome memories, a lot of really funny ones. There was one particular time where Ben, we were leaving, or James and the girls were leaving one night in Portsmouth and (laughs) he wasn't supposed to come out of his room and he did and he snuck into the corridor and he was covered in one of the hospital blankets. And we were walking out and I was seeing the girls to the door where we would say our goodbyes and all we could hear was this little tap-tap-tapping of feet, (laughs) bare feet, on the corridor floor running along and this high-pitched giggle because he found it so funny. And I turned around and he stopped and roared with laughter and you know his hair was coming out he had this wispy sort of golden Auburn, beautiful hair flying around his head and this gorgeous little face all screwed up laughing his head off finding the whole thing very funny and i sort of chased him back giggling back to his room and i said you know you're not supposed to be out and then he did it again <laughs> he did it a second time because i ran to sort of catch up with Jay and the girls and I heard I heard him laughing again behind us. And then he sort of looked looked at all of us and he said, Oh don't worry mum I know I know I need to go back. And and he smiled but I could see this look in his eyes that said, I want to come home. And we knew he couldn't. And so those memories are hard, they're painful, but lovely. Because if it's one thing that's I find really, really hard and really difficult to deal with is the fact that I can't hear him and I really miss his voice. I miss him calling Mum. I Mrs. giggle. We used to have these um, tickle fights. <laughs> they weren't really fights, but we used to have these little tickle times before bed. And Rose and Ben. And sometimes Ella would all sort of bundle into our bedroom and, and we'd just have a really good giggle and a tickle. And again, He would laugh, they would all laugh But he would laugh until you couldn't really hear his voice And his face was all screwed up And he was just loving every second So I suppose as we go through every day What James and I are finding is that You know, it's one day further away from him It's one day further away from the painful memories but also the really really good ones as well and all you're thinking of is about how to preserve your own memory so that you can still remember everything that's happened and those really lovely times that you had as a full family of five and I just can't believe that he has gone And you go round and round in circles, trying to work out what you could have done differently. Could we have seen things earlier? If you can hear lots of things going on, I can tell you that two pheasants have just flown out of the trees. They're probably totally frightened by our bouncing dog, Gus, who usually leaps about in the woods like a deer. And he's as soft as mush, but he does he does tend to bound around a bit, so he's darted off, and they've obviously flown and tried to find a place that's a little a little safer perhaps to be, so trying to find calm, trying to find some clarity, trying to find some reason, and I think what I've realized is you' you're not going to get very far if you're trying to find a reason for things. Although, I am still on a bit of a questioning path about the Lyme disease that he had and whether or not there is a definite link between Lyme disease and AML. That's something that stays with me all the time. He had pre-orbital cellulitis in his eye in August 2017, or at the end of July, beginning of August, and we went to Chichester Hospital and he was treated there and I was reading up on Lyme disease symptoms and one of them was the fact that it could be misdiagnosed as cellulitis and that raised a question in my head because those, you know, obviously nobody was looking for Lyme disease. I hadn't thought about Lyme disease and so bloods weren't taken looking for Lyme disease or anemia or, you know, low iron. He was treated from, you know, with the symptoms and then he was home. But he was still not right. I think somewhere in my psyche as a mum, I want to find some answers. I know it's not going to change anything, it's not going to change anything at all so maybe it's best left alone but I have put notes out on Twitter and on Facebook asking for anybody who has experienced Lyme disease and then gone on to have a form of cancer. I know that there was a paper done back in April time 2018 that was talking about a potential link but I don't think it was proven in the wider community. Something tells me that one day that will change. Lyme disease is very, very nasty and debilitating. And I think if we'd realised what was going on, maybe we would have acted sooner. But every time I took him to the doctors, nothing seemed to happen. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think it's you know, how he was presenting, just maybe being an argumentative little boy or just very tired, worn out all the time. It's difficult to say, you know, his nutrition had changed anyway and we just thought he was being really picky because he was always quite picky. So we look at our photographs and we think about all the memories. You know, the last holiday we had in Cornwall, just before he was diagnosed, was difficult (laughs) anyway, but we were all together and it was as lovely as it could have been. It was only midway through the week that I realised that something was very wrong. But the, you know, years before we'd had lovely holidays and just. We don't go to Cornwall, or we haven't been since 2017, and we don't have perhaps the same love for it, although, you know, I'll always love it. I'll just, I'd love it more if Ben was with us. So, coupled with the trying to, or the fact of trying to come to terms with the whole thing, it's very difficult to describe actually, you know, there are other families that are going through this, just the same as we are, and I'm sure they all feel the same, in the fact that you see a lot of people posting and they'll say forever, whatever age the child is, at the time that they've gained their angel wings, and I never wanted to put forever 12, I'd like to think that Ben will still grow up he's just growing up in another universe somewhere James says we're in we're in the universe where this has happened and in another universe we are still family of five and it feels a bit Doctor Who but perhaps that's because Ben would watch loads and loads of Doctor Who episodes (laughs) he uh, found the one with uh Rose being parted from the Doctor and going to a parallel universe fascinating but also quite emotional actually he didn't like the idea that they were separated because he thought they made a good pair and a good match and uh, ironically we feel the same just we're a family unit of five this huge, I don't know, Dalek of the Cancer has come along and blasted apart our family and sent him into another universe. That might sound a really weird way of putting it, but it's just my ramblings while I'm walking along. It's, I don't know, how I feel it might be understood and how, particularly how how Ben might understand it. I think his view at this point would be that he's in another country and he's on a big road trip, just like Rose would say. He's on a road trip somewhere. A very long road trip. And at some point we will meet again. And then we'll be together as a family of five. Forever. Which will be... Oh, magical. As I'm walking along it's so quiet. I can just hear an aircraft in the distance. I'm looking at the beautiful golden light. I mean, it's only mid-afternoon, but you know what it's like with these wintry afternoons. If you can imagine where I'm walking, it's full of trees. Obviously, we're in a wood. There are golden leaves underfoot. And every so often you'll hear this... (laughs) These four paws racing past me, and that's Gus. Honey, our retriever, has basically disappeared, and she does this on every single walk we go on. If I let her off lead and she knows where she is, she'll just poodle and do her own thing and meet me at the end of the walk, although the last few times she's been a bit of a monkey and has spent the next half an hour doing exactly as she likes and refusing to come back until she's good and ready which when you're in a hurry to get home is quite frustrating to say the least. Honestly it's so beautiful up here. I'm just looking out and if I could paint it oh my goodness. It's just stunning. Really really lovely up here. I think that's why I find it so hard in some ways to you know my instinct sort of races between Moving a house altogether, but I wouldn't want to live in the UK. I'd want to live abroad and staying put and trying to I don't know maybe rent the property out at some point and spend some time abroad just to have just to have an emotional break. I don't know about you guys, but anybody who has experienced a loss like the loss of a child. It's unfathomable at you know the lowest point it's just you know an unbearable when you're not able to you know go very far afield, I suppose for the sake of the children for the girls we need to keep you know some sense of stability at this point, you know uprooting right now would be. I think horrendous for everybody, even I recognise that, and I'm the one that (laughs) fluctuates between right, let's go, let's go and do something, I don't know where, but we'll, you know, we'll go and find somewhere else. The fact of the matter is that wherever we go, there's no escaping grief, and there's no escaping the fact that, you know, Ben isn't physically here anymore, and it's just, it just seems ridiculous. You know, I just can't believe it. You know, every day I wake up and for a split, split, tiny, weeny second, life is okay. And then I'm reminded again. And I, I feel like, for at least for a very, very long time, this feeling is not going to go. This is going to be how it is. And, you know, for the first time, Since Ben has died, when I went to my counsellor the other day, I actually said to her, it was the first day that I looked out to the sky and I thought, wow, what a beautiful day. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything at all. I can't get excited. I can't find anything to motivate myself. I can't find my happy place and I've realised, obviously, my happy place is my children my happy place is my family and that has been broken apart in the most unimaginable painful horrible way and somehow because you know ultimately you you As a grieving parent, as a grieving sibling, as anybody grieving, you know, you have to find your own way through it, so I have to rely on myself at the end of the day. And you can have the biggest support network, as I've said before, but at the end of the day it's up to you, you know, you've got to make those decisions yourself, getting out of bed, doing mundane things, you know. And it is really, really, really hard. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, information, obviously, over the last couple of years. It's all coming to the forefront now about mental health and how important it is. And when you're grieving, it's very easy to let things slide when it comes to yourself. Because you are constantly trying to balance Functioning in the day with, you know, running a household, trying to find some sense of normality where there is none, trying to find creativity and focus, trying to find understanding and clarity, and sometimes. You know, I'll wake up from a dream and I'll think, oh, I've, I understand what that means. And other times, it, you know, you've come out of something where you think your child is still alive and everything's okay. And it was a big dream, so that sounds really awful. But you know, like, <laughs> some of you will remember Dallas. You know, Bobby Ewing stepping out of the shower and everything was just a dream and it was the most ridiculous plot ever written. But (laughs) when it comes to this scenario I wish it was possible I wish we could open our eyes and go Oh my god, thank god I've just had this awful dream for the last two years That something really awful happened And it's not true Oh my goodness, that would be amazing And yet the harsh reality is Oh my God, it's actually happened. We've actually lost our son. We've lost a child. How is that even possible in this day and age? You know, all this cancer research and all the alternative treatments and everything. I just didn't see it coming. I didn't imagine that something like Lyme disease could potentially completely deplete an immune system to nothing. I didn't know it was that serious, but Lyme disease is nasty. And then you think to yourself, when you're in a situation where you're looking at your child and they're going through chemotherapy and they're throwing up, or they're losing control of their bowels in the middle of the night at two in the morning and you're wiping them down and their skin is covered in chemo which you are not allowed to touch so you know you have gloves on and I didn't realise, I didn't imagine that something like cancer could happen to our son. I'm sitting on the bench now in the woods It's a lovely view. We would always take photos of the children on this bench, whether they were with their friends or just on their own. And you could never get, I mean, crikey, you know, you can never get the animals and the children together. You can never get them looking the same way or looking at the camera, and then they would argue. (laughs) It would just be pointless. But we would try, and we'd have some giggles along the way. And I'm looking out over the South Downs now, and the sun is on my right. As I look out, the the downs look absolutely beautiful. And where the blue sky is sort of just covering them, there's this glint of sunlight all across the top. And it looks utterly beautiful. And I've got these two dogs with me away I usually have a little chat with Ben on the bench and I know he was sat with me just then as I'm now walking and he's probably hopefully walking with me I'm looking out at the beautiful cows that we mentioned the other day and hoping that the dog doesn't go completely bananas um, <laughs> he's running alongside them at the moment and they're looking at him completely. <laughs> Like he's a little bit lally which he is of course, because he's our dog. Hello cows. I'm the sort of person that if I had the money I would rescue all these cows. And I would fit them in our garden and look after them forever. So I'm walking along in the woods, I'm passing a holly tree with beautiful red berries, we've got crows above us, sometimes magpies, sometimes woodpeckers and the sunlight is just stunning. On these walks I do find it quite calming actually and realising that by talking about things I'm just downloading things in my head, thoughts ideas, worries, concerns that is actually helping me mentally a lot because it's not easy and I don't think it gets any easier since my last podcast I know of other people who've experienced loss and I know of other families who've are now in a situation where they're experiencing relapse and it doesn't matter what stage you're at it's scary, it's frightening it's lonely, it's isolating and yes, talking about it is helping me and talking about it in general can help it's not going to change it though and I think that's the hardest thing about this particular life journey we are on is the fact that however many years of my life I have left they will be with my girls and my husband and my family but they're going to be without my son and he's an integral part of our family so I struggle with how to cope with that oh it's absolutely freezing and i've got rain as well so that doesn't help when i'm in this weather it may be beautiful but it, it's icy cold i'm now walking through very stodgy mud and very beautiful woodland i come on to the topic of christmas i used to sort of enjoy going around the shops And just buying gifts, you know, I love giving, it just, I get such an immense amount of pleasure out of it. I love buying something that somebody would really, really enjoy and that gives me a lot of happiness in my soul. I have to say that this year, I just, I can't get excited. I do worry a bit about how we're going to manage and I'm torn between the idea that Ben absolutely loves loved Christmas and the girls love Christmas. and we would always just have fun and it would be gentle and silly. and we'd all relax and we'd have a nice good meal and we'd maybe go for a walk. Who am I kidding? (laughs) Maybe go for a walk, not always, but it was just lovely being together, and this year I'm just, if I could run away and go off to New Zealand or, I don't know, crawl under a duvet for 48 hours, switch off the television not listen to carol singers or anybody, just tell the world to go away for five minutes. (laughs) I would absolutely do that. We normally go to a little farm place actually, it's beautiful, to pick a tree which they then obviously replant these trees, they grow them purposefully for Christmas and then replant them all the time. But last year we we actually invested in a plastic tree and while I am not happy about plastic, what you come to realise when you have a child who has had a stem cell transplant is that it's a lot safer than having a real tree because of bugs and anything in any potential mud, bacteria, you know, you have to be super careful. It's similar to the fact that we all wanted an open fire last year or put some candles up. Absolutely not. When you're living with a child with a history of cancer and having gone through a stem cell transplant you just can't do those things. Life has changed, life is different and you have to adhere to the rules because it's dangerous if you don't so we invested in a plastic tree and we decorated it with all the children's ornaments and things that they'd painted and created over the years and it was just lovely so lovely having been home and in the last few months since He has left us. We found a beautiful little five second video that all the children had done (laughs) from Christmas last year and I remember at the time they were coming to me and saying, you know, Ben was saying, oh, you know, don't don't look on your phone yet, you know, um, we're working on something in the lounge and they shut themselves away and they were doing a little film. And we discovered it, or James discovered it, while I was out walking. He was downloading things off of my phone so that we could make sure we saved everything. And he found these short little videos, and I mean short, I'm talking 30 seconds here, with Rose standing behind Ben waving, Ella doing the filming, and Ben sitting with the animals and saying, thank you. To me and James for loving him and supporting him through leukemia. And on the third take I think he finally got the words out Merry Christmas. And that is something that will stay with us forever. There's some element of the fact that I I really believe somewhere in his soul plan, he knew on some level his path. And the fact that, whether by accident or otherwise, that was found after he had died, it feels like a tiny but brilliant, beautiful little gift from him and the girls to us because they're all together and that was our last Christmas and we had no idea, no idea that eight months later he wouldn't be with us. It's so unfair. this year at the moment, James and I have decided that because we can't have what we want, which is to have them with us all together, we're not going to do Christmas presents between ourselves. We'll do something obviously special for the girls, but it's going to be really difficult and it's going to be really different. I have this feeling that Ben wants us to do everything as we did almost last year and every other year, you know, <laughs> which I will do my best and I know James will do his best. But it's difficult isn't it because, you know, this is our first Christmas and there will be other families. Sadly, who are also having their first Christmas without a child and maybe their only child or maybe they've got a few children and it's You know equally a gaping hole in their family And you know everybody talks about being grateful for all you have and The fact that oh it's okay because you've you know you've still got two other children What? Yes, we do have two other children who have lost their brother. Some people mean well, don't they? But they just drop a complete clangour in the works. I'm back at the house now, Um, just arrived back from my initial walk. And our house sits over our garage and overlooks the Downs. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a, you know, it's a blocky house but actually (laughs) there's some real quirk and beauty in this building. And I'm looking up at Ben's bedroom window and I always look up and blow a kiss to the window, (laughs) a kiss to him, and I imagine him looking out at me and waving and smiling and normally of the summer he would have the window open and be firing water bombs or water guns or something (laughs) at my head as I go by and I miss that every day and I always focus to him every time I pass by and sometimes when the clouds are going by it's easy to imagine a shadow of some sort and that's actually him up there love you Benny I'm out walking the dogs again. Again, as usual, for my walking podcast. We've had a couple of things happen. The first being uh, the fundraiser. We managed to hit our target yesterday, which was Saturday the 30th of November, happened to be my dad's birthday as well, the children's beloved granddad. And so that was quite poignant. We hit 5000 and we're now heading slightly over that now so that's really good because that excess money will go to the Rainbow Trust in Southampton, something we're really really happy about because the Rainbow Trust has been supporting us throughout this particular experience. We've made a real sort of bond with a a lovely girl who's been supporting us for the best part of a year now and she's brilliant. The one thing about the Rainbow Trust is that they are crucial for not only the patient but the parents and especially the siblings, the children who are left behind. Our lady visits about once a week, uh, sometimes once every two weeks and spends a good part of the afternoon with us as a family and is just there to talk so she'll play and engage with the children if they want to chat particularly our youngest at the moment we will spend time chatting about all sorts of things really Um, but it is just so important and so nice to know that there is somebody there (laughs) for you that can understand to a large degree perhaps not totally but for us it's been quite the lifeline the local village have also been doing a Christmas fair where they've also raised money for the Rainbow Trust in Ben's name which is very thoughtful and very kind another thing that happened actually this is a personal one for me a very dear friend of mine who I haven't seen for many, many years, since I was about 14, who now lives across the other side of the globe, sent me the most beautiful gift in the post, out of the blue. Well, I knew she was going to send something, but I didn't know quite what it was. And with everything going on, I'd sort of forgotten about what was happening, so it was a lovely surprise. And it was a blanket with all these lovely, beautiful photos of us and the children. She knows who she is. And it was very, very overwhelming and extremely kind and generous. Because when you're looking at those photos you can almost believe he's still here with us. And you know who you are, my lovely, gorgeous friend. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. So in the lead up to Christmas, you know, normally, at any other time, I would be thinking, oh wow, let's settle down and watch some of those really dreadfully written Christmas movies that are really cosy and you don't have to think about it, you know what's going to happen, the plot is laid out there before you right at the beginning and you think yeah I know what's going to happen here but it's just easy watching, nice and cosy in the build up to Christmas and I for one am a definite Lover of those Simplistic romantic films They're really cheesy and um, dreadful (laughs) Most of the time But there are some real gems in there somewhere But I don't really feel Quite in the Christmas spirit if I might say My thoughts turn towards Others Children on the wards Families going through cancer People who are homeless, children who don't have enough to eat, and people in all sorts of situations where they might not be able to enjoy Christmas like many of us do. And especially those families who, you know, like us for the first time are going to be without their little buddy their little special person, I mean all children are special, but when one of them is gone, when one has lost a child, it's just, I know I keep repeating myself, but it's just unbearable. You know, over the last day today we were moving a few things around, at this particular point I have my sister coming to stay over for the night. Because James and I are going out for our first date night in about two years <laughs> uh, No, actually maybe even three years um, And we're going to see Jules Holland which will be lovely uh, It was a gift for his birthday um, from one and my sister And my darling sister is coming to sit with the girls and in preparation, we were moving things around in a particular room that we celebrated Rosie's tenth birthday in uh, in July, and it was just about three or four days before Benjamin was diagnosed with relapse. So you know, we haven't really, haven't really moved stuff around since then I didn't really want to touch it but we've moved some bags and sorted out those things from the hospital and I thought right I feel brave enough to do this today and I just sort of took off the linen from the bed that's in this room and it dawned on me that the the throw over the top was the last place was the last place that he sat when we were all celebrating and I cursed myself because I spent such a long time on that day in the kitchen sorting out various things and I didn't think about what would be happening later I wrote a poem that day as well and ended up reading that at his day of celebration and in the meantime he'd been been making a pile of sweets over biscuits (laughs) for Rose and he wanted to do it so properly and he'd sat we call it in the healing lounge her healing space um, or the Angel Lounge, and that's usually in the past where I've done angel card readings and and angelic Reiki, etc. And so it's it's always sort of maintained that name. And so he was sat in the uh, in the Angel Lounge and creating this little pile of goodies for Rose and just taking his time over it. And he did this tiny little cartoon picture of. Link from Breath of the Wild uh, that Ben and Rose absolutely loved playing together, he'd done this little picture of Link and cut it out and stuck it on the top of this little mountain of goodies for Rose for her birthday. And he'd also amazed me because I'm pretty sure his lung capacity was horrendous and yet And when actually when you think about it, if he was going to be relapsed and diagnosed with relapse in the next few days, his body was already struggling and yet the determination on his face as he was blowing up one of these balloons and he kept saying, Mummy I can do it, I can do it. And he did. (laughs) But he was trying to blow up these balloons, he was decorating the room for Rose and we had a little friend over. And they were even having a go at the deco patch in the kitchen and Ben doesn't often join in those sorts of things but he joined in and we still have a half-covered cat (laughs) which is beautiful and remains on the windowsill in the kitchen at the moment along with Rose's cat and Ella's dog so we'd you know yeah we'd been celebrating and now i've put the this blanket in the wash and there's a lot of things going through around my head because i don't want to forget i don't want to you know lose that connection i think this is what grief is about. It's trying to balance holding on to the the memories of the good things that happened and even through cancer there were some really special moments that nobody can take away, not even cancer. You know, through this journey I think you realise how important family is, and you realise how important your friends are, how important you are to each other, and how much you love each other. And this damn grief is basically love. It's love. It's all the love that you want to pour into this person and you just can't. So for me, I continue to pour it into the children and everything I do as much as possible because it feels like the only way that I can function. I haven't ventured out to the shops yet to buy anything. I feel very, very switched off by, the need to just buy any old toot (laughs) even with the fundraiser the most important thing to me is that we do an act of kindness for these children who are stuck in hospital over Christmas and we do it well Ben was fun and a perfectionist and he wouldn't want anybody getting one of these boxes and being disappointed in any way so we are doing our very best thanks to the love, support and financial assistance from over a hundred backers for this Ben's Epic Christmas Boxes fundraiser that we did And, and thanks to all of you we are going to be able to put some lovely books in, some Christmas lights some sweets Some games, pajamas, socks, those sorts of things, so that when those children open those boxes, a little sparkle of light comes into the room and they can feel that somebody somewhere is looking out for them, even though they are having to go through what can only be described as quite. Grueling treatment when you're going through cancer, and some of these little ones are very, very tiny, and goodness knows only how they cope. So, to be able to offer them something a little bit fun is a real honour, and something I will absolutely delight in doing because every Christmas up until we had cancer in this family you know we would we would have a lot of fun and I would have a lot of fun the best part about Christmas for me is the children having fun and being able to gift things to other people that I know they're going to absolutely love Um, That's just something I love doing and I'm sure there's many of you out there who feel exactly the same way and, you know, maybe this year, if this is the first year without your child in your family, maybe you'll be feeling like me and feel a little bit panicky about either trying to hold it together or trying to make it the best it can be, knowing that it will never be the same. I still feel like Ben will be with us. I still feel like he's determined that we still do the things that we have done in the past. And I feel that by trying to honour that, I hope that that makes it easy for him to come back to us in some way, shape or form, however that is. I know I'm leaping about a bit, but that's just going to be these podcasts, I think. (laughs) I look at the... The table we've got in the kitchen I know there'll be an empty seat there And I haven't Been putting plates down for Ben I know he comes into the kitchen Every so often I'm pretty sure he's poodling around And probably walking walking with me right now um, As I'm Strolling through the woods getting rained on But I will probably put A plate down at Christmas Maybe stick leopard on the seat what do you do when it comes to actual Christmas, what do you do in celebration of your child but knowing that you know, you could go ahead and buy gifts and maybe distribute them to hospitals afterwards but maybe financially after this journey in particular that's not the best option. Are you still going to do a stocking? And what will you put in that stocking? You know, I had a chat with James the other day about what we might do and I feel that we will fill his stocking with consumables with his favourite sweets ready for the sweetie train when we watch copious amounts of movies sat in the warm with the fire going something we couldn't do during his treatment and I think we might fill it also with, you know, our favourite memories and be able to read those through the day and have a giggle, hopefully, (laughs) about a few of the things that he would inevitably get up to. One of the things I really, really miss (laughs) that he was doing, particularly over the last, well, as soon as he got home last year, He had a real mischievous streak and he would enjoy tiptoeing up to me and he was so stealthy on his feet. He'd come up behind me when I wasn't aware and he'd very quickly, at the same time as going BOO, he would be... Squeezing my shoulders quite hard And it would really make me jump And he would just be stood there as I span round With my heart absolutely racing Laughing his head off <laughs> And that is something I really, really miss I miss that contact I miss that laughter I miss that real pixie spirit You know, the girls are mischievous too and uh, we have a lot of uh, fun conversations with Ella at the moment and Rose also is showing a very sparky nature I saw a friend of mine the other day actually and uh, most of the time if I go to the shops especially if I go to the shops back over towards Winchester where we used to live I kind of expect to keep my head down go and get the shopping and not meet anybody and duck out as quickly as possible and get back into the car but I find going shopping and physically going somewhere where you might be visible really difficult at the moment and a friend of ours from the days of Abbas, the school before the school that we went to here called me over this young lady and uh, and we had a fairly short conversation, her son growing up looking beautiful, <laughs> and I just burst into tears because Benny was in the same class as this young man, and it just brought back memories of you know the fact that he coped with school because he had to and You know, sometimes he had a lot of fun, actually, running around and being a bit of a loon. And you see these lovely people, you see their beautiful children, and you know that you're really happy for them. Yet you are in excruciating pain, and you just somehow have to keep going. So we had a huge hug, I had a sob, And I didn't want to cry too much in front of my youngest, so we carried on and went shopping. But most of the time, especially around, you know, this festive season, this first festive season without Ben, some days I just want to disappear. And I know I can't do that for my girls. And that's a strange spot to be in. A strange feeling to have. The other thing to say about Christmas in the lead up is, you know, I'm aware of some other Brie families who decide, even at the last minute, to go and stay somewhere else away from their home. I think for some that could work really well and I've had a real sense of not knowing quite what to do this year it's very difficult because you know as I've said before this is our home is the place where Benny has lived with his sisters and we always said without them it's not home but for the moment it is our home it is our base it is the place where we reside where we stay and where we live and perhaps Just making some tiny changes might also help. So like we've made, I mean even a couple of changes, we moved a sofa from our lounge today into our kitchen (laughs) and we turned the table round. And it wasn't meant to be different, to be able to change things as such, but actually changing the energy in a room it just sort of lifts it a little bit. It hasn't shut Ben out, it hasn't it hasn't changed it so much that you know it's it's not a good feeling in that space. We're just trying it out to see how we feel about it. But actually at the moment it feels okay and I think Ben would quite like it. But it's just something we did today while we were moving a couple of bits around for my sister just to make her space her own so we have made some sort of headway today in some areas and I feel like it's enough it's not too much but hopefully it still is a space where Ben can visit if he wants to this podcast is going to be a little bit all over the place I expect (laughs) I've got a lot of things to say and there's a lot on my mind a lot I've been thinking about and trying to even try to come to terms with what's happened it's all a bit of an uphill struggle at the moment if I'm perfectly honest some wonderful things have been happening even in the midst of such unbearable pain in the loss of my darling boy we achieved our target our fundraising target for the Ben's Epic Christmas Boxes fundraiser that we set up in fact it was relatively shortly after we lost Ben as we were heading rapidly towards the festive season we set out hoping that we would at least head towards the sum of five thousand pound, and we are now over and above that. Um, we've this morning on the final day. It's the fourth of December. It's the final day of the fundraiser today, and we've reached five thousand five hundred pound. That means that not only can we hopefully do at least fifty Christmas boxes we will still be able to do uh, smaller boxes or Christmas stockings or something for the outpatient wards while concentrating on the three wards that Ben was uh, treated in and stayed uh, for a period of time over his uh, treatment for cancer. It means that we can make these boxes up I'm currently looking at a very large, complicated, fabulous spreadsheet that my sister designed and set up for me to make life a bit easier. <laughs> I need help like that because I might come up with an idea, but actually part of the detail, especially where where it really matters actually to be organised like that, that it's really helpful to have somebody like my sister around because she runs... And works in events and knows exactly what's needed to make things run smoothly so that was all good and so this opportunity means that we can now donate £500 and whatever else comes our way in the last few hours before it closes this evening and we can donate that to the Rainbow Trust and the Rainbow Trust are and have been fundamental for us looking after us (laughs) a lot (laughs) even when Ben was still with us um, we had support from them a little in Bristol and uh, and when we got home with Ben we had support and then obviously as Ben was doing really well they took a step back and you know sadly for us uh, even though The lady we have is absolutely amazing. (laughs) It's the situation that uh, brings us all together. Uh, But after losing Ben in the summer, this young lady from the Rainbow Trust has been absolutely crucial to our family and uh, and fundamental in supporting us actually and, and it gives the children someone to look forward to seeing on a weekly basis to be able to chat to if they want to which is fabulous I'm wandering through the woods as I say it's the 4th of December it's extremely frosty still it's the middle of the afternoon I don't know whether you could hear but it's slightly crunchy underfoot because the frost is still all over the leaves and quite a bit on the ground actually I wasn't expecting that today because the sun's been quite bright but there has been an awful lot of mist around and made it look quite magical actually as I wander through the woods. I always love taking photos into the sunlight because you get the changes in light and the way it casts shadows and things in the picture and it's quite beautiful. It also makes me feel that I have my son walking with me a lot of the time. Um, I'm going down a particular uh, path on our circuit, our regular circuit with the dogs Um, and the last time I walked down here with Ben um, we were walking with friends and I know he was a bit tired but he was gently telling me to disappear (laughs) and to stop fussing because he just wanted to have fun with his best mate and they were chatting away behind me giggling and talking about all sorts of nonsense I'm sure and that is a lasting memory in my head whenever I walk this path I'm finding it really hard actually because we're heading towards Christmas I want to make it special for the girls and for Ben obviously but in my heart what I really want to do is uh, crawl under a duvet and wait for it to be over (laughs) or um, hop on a flight somewhere and go somewhere else. It's not that I don't want to be with my family I probably need them more than ever now it's what society I suppose has built Christmas up to be you know there's so much pressure to be happy and, uh, you know, indulge and have wonderful things and for it all to be magical. And the fact is, you know, for us bereaved parents, you have got to be joking. You know, you've got to be joking. I can't even explain to you what it's like, really, in my heart. Only somebody who knows what it really feels like. To look your child in the eyes and leaving this world. And to have absolutely no choice but to let go. Only somebody that really has been in that position is ever going to know what it's like day to day, and that's no detriment to anybody else because we have so many friends and family that want to help, that are sending love and trying to support us from afar you know some people just I know are there for us um, and there are others that I know can't cope you know as we draw closer to Christmas and further away from Benny having left us and it's not even that long ago we're just coming up to 17 weeks but some days it feels like nobody talks about him and you know we're just in a situation where it's just our family so we talk about him every day we mention him every day but we're in a situation where we you know we came away from school and chose a home education path which is something I never ever will regret you know but it means that because of situation we found ourselves in with Ben going through cancer that, you know, it was very difficult to get out and about because fundamentally we were running backwards and forwards to hospitals, spending time in hospital. The girls did an amazing job trying to, you know, be in a learning environment while also being in a very sterile environment or in the car. And and it was just such an extraordinary last 14 months of Ben's life that nobody expected and we just sort of got on with it but now you know, I'm stood here looking over the South Downs there's this beautiful layer of mist it almost looks like a Harry Potter scene you know, in the winter as if it had been snowing but it hasn't and I'm thinking about my son, I'm thinking about my girls as I stand here by the bench that, you know, I used to always take photos of them sat on. And I wish to God we had all of them. I don't know what the future holds in the sense of how, you know, the life that we had is now stretching out in front of us without one of our children and... You know when people aren't talking about him as much or you know ben will always he's always going to be 12 isn't he he's he's not he's not going to get any older i i'm guessing he'll get older where he is um, but we won't get to see that or enjoy that or appreciate that and that's really i find that really difficult because christmas to me over the years I've absolutely loved getting gifts for everybody as I said before it's all about the giving it's all about kindness if we can do something you know extra for somebody that needs it great and I love getting all the little nonsense things for the children for stocking gifts and just seeing their faces when they open something that they really would you know they've been really looking forward to or really hoping for um you know even when ben was first diagnosed when he realized that he was going to be in for a while first of all he did his birthday list and that to me was a very positive sign because it meant he was looking forward to the future he hadn't seen his diagnosis as anything that was going to stop him staying positive and continuing so as far as we were concerned right at the beginning you know we're in hospital to get better there was never any question of whether or not he would survive this treatment we did tell him it was going to be tough and by god it was and he even asked us at one point if it was fatal uh, in the early weeks after diagnosis and I I said absolutely not darling I said uh, this is where we come to get better and uh, and I said and that's what's going to happen and he just looked at me and put his trust in me and said okay mum you know let's do this And he just carried on. You know, he would create his birthday list and it would be changed right up until the last minute, even this year. Although this year I, I noted that he was a lot more philosophical about his list. And it took a while for him to get to grips with actually putting one together this year. But last year when he started... Right in his Christmas list when we were in Bristol, as hard as it got, I saw a glimmer of light and a glimmer of hope. And so did he, because he was just focusing on getting home. And I think if he could focus on Christmas, it was just giving him something to look forward to. And actually, you know, last Christmas was... Probably the best Christmas I'll ever experience Especially knowing now that that was our last one There's a family of five A physical family of five And knowing that How much just being together with his sisters that meant to him That stays with me as well and they bickered and they chatted with one another but they didn't really, there was a definite sort of shift when we got home for Christmas last year there was a, a much more of a mutual respect for each other and much more of an open, you know, heart on the sleeve love for each other very much visible in everything that was going on And when we got home, it was, you know, it was was still very uh, sort of raw, the whole experience of having a stem cell transplant, because Ben was on a lot of medication still, you know, uh, after transplant, it's not easy, it is an ongoing journey, and you're not just better. And if anybody says, "Oh, it's lovely to know that you know they're, they've made it, they've got through," and how lovely it is—it's very quietly frustrating, but it's nobody's fault because people don't understand that you know it's a milestone. <laughs> it's a milestone in your life. And we got him home. I've just seen a little white feather on the ground, and uh, and I'm very grateful for that because it feels like there's a little angel walking with me, and. Uh, And if that's my son, hello, my darling boy. Mummy loves you very, very much. But you know that already. Yeah, we we knew that uh, Ben, you know, he was still every so often being sick in the mornings and everything. So it was just a different experience. Life after transplant you know it's not you're not running around everywhere i mean some people do but <laughs> ben certainly wasn't and his body had taken quite a hit health wise so it, everything needed to be very slowed down and we were just very mindful very very mindful of each other and our needs as a family and certainly that's what christmas means to me is the fact that, you know, we were lucky enough to bring our son home last Christmas. I know that there are other children that didn't make that milestone last year. And this year we're facing that particular situation, you know, <laughs> just... <laughs> My heart breaks for Ben, it breaks for Ella and Rose, it breaks for our family, it breaks for everything that he wanted to do, all that he wanted to achieve, and all that the kids wanted to do together. And it breaks for all the children that are still going through this horrid, scenario and all the families that are already well on the path of grief. You know, when you're going through cancer as a family, it impacts you hugely in a way that you can't possibly express to anybody unless you've been in it. But it does change you and people talk about this new normal just when you're in hospital and then there's a new normal when you get home if you get home and then there's a new normal when your life is so irrevocably wrecked by something that is completely out of your control and this new normal (laughs) isn't normal at all it's not anything that I would wish upon anyone I don't even know I mean some days how I feel it's not just about Christmas, it's just about grief. You know, we're into our fourth month without Ben and it's it's still completely unbelievable. I walk around and I swear to goodness that my face must look ashen ninety percent of the time and you know, even my girls will ask me questions and I'm just it takes me a few seconds to process things now and trying to focus because my brain has gone on autopilot about a million different things ranging from every past experience with our family as a whole to the situation we're in now and when I wake up in the morning some days I I sort of think okay I'm aware of What's happened, and I know what I need to do to be able to get out of bed and, you know, get moving with the day. And other days I just find myself longing to turn back the clock. And I know that's just, that's impossible. I can't, you know, I was saying to James the other day, I can't wish for Ben to come back because I don't want him to come back poorly you know if he was to come back and be well he'd probably be about age nine and a half (laughs) because I realised that you know with him having Lyme disease the more reading I've done it can lie dormant in your body for years and because he didn't have the bullseye rash we have no real indication of any particular time when he had a tick bite but he obviously had one I think the hardest part about all of this, whether you're at any time but particularly it feels like over Christmas because there is this you know in theory all the family are getting together it's supposed to be a time of joy and warmth and love and this is the hardest part I mean being a spiritual soul I am trusting that he will be around but I'm sure there's some people out there that can relate to this but I just want to see him. I just want to hold him and give him the hugest cuddle and if you can't be in the universe that I'm in I just want to know that you're safe and that you feel all the love that we have for you where you are and if I could know that understanding that you know, we can't be together in this life (laughs) then it might lower the feeling of sort of underlying anxiety and upset that I have wondering you know, where he is is he okay I'm just home from my dog walk now and um, oh, I've gathered my thoughts a little bit. There are a couple of other things that are going through my head when we talk about creativity and finding ways to cope. And one of those things is the fact that I'd dearly love to, and please comment on this or get in touch if you think this is a good idea. What I'd like to do, I think, is to be able to organise a book That is very much art related. In fact, there's a couple of things. So, the first thing would be a book where parents and siblings who are bereaved would either draw or paint, create some sort of picture, whether that's a landscape, a portrait, just a piece of art that describes their grief to compile a book just to help others again (laughs) Um, that's one idea and the other idea I've got at the moment is to um, engage with parents of children either going, going through cancer and also bereaved parents and bereaved families and siblings and to create some sort of monthly or a quarterly newsletter that would be placed on our blog so that it's not any cost to anybody but it would be something where children could send in pictures or poems um, about how they're feeling and I would duly scan those in and add them to a newsletter. I might even try and create some sort of magazine, but then I'd have to look at printing costs and things. But those are are the sorts of things that are going through my head at the moment that I do feel would somewhere benefit others and and certainly, you know, help children that are in this situation. I certainly feel that with Ella, she's not talking to me or James so much. She does a little bit, um, I suppose, on occasion. But she is finding it easier to talk to her friends And she's opening up a little bit more to her friends at the moment Which is really, really good And a relief, quite frankly, to see And with Rose, uh, she does tend to draw a lot Which is a really good way for her to express how she's feeling She's still interested in superheroes Which is the same as, as Ben was He absolutely loved... The Avengers and all superheroes But I think through Ben's cancer treatment Rose felt very much that she wanted to become a superhero To be able to save her brother And that sort of feeling within her I think is still there But she's pretty good actually at describing how she feels And and letting us know on a day-to-day basis how she's actually doing which again is good to see I think creativity is going to be something for me that allows me to continue to help others and, and allows me some sort of way to keep moving through grief because ultimately everybody is unique and everybody grieves very uniquely and very differently and is impacted by a trauma like this as an individual, it's not an easy journey by any stretch. It would be interesting to, to have your thoughts on that, whether you think it would be something that you would like to take part in, particularly for the sort of art. I'd also like at some point to do some sort of candid shots, I think, of... Um, of families who've gone through this journey and I don't know whether that's I, I'm still trying to get that in my head as to whether that's something that can be done with dignity or whether that's just not something that would be a good idea um, it's just my way of creatively trying to express what grief looks like and what it means to other people and you know whether that would be of any benefit to anybody. Sometimes, would those sorts of things help other people who are trying to help those who are grieving? It's very difficult, but it's it's something that I'm just trying to process. So, if this feels like a long monologue of uh, me sobbing and trying to pull something out the bag and. Uh, Put it into some sort of formation That's probably what it is Um, It is only the second podcast But I'm still on a mission Of trying to help others While also being reminded That I need to look after myself as well And not just Disintegrate into a million pieces Which is pretty much Where I am with it at the moment It's not something that I ever anticipated happening And I uh, still as I'm looking out at the view from our house at the moment and I'm looking out at the mist over the downs and I can just see the sort of shapes of the tops of the downs just sort of coming through the, the low lying cloud and, uh, and the sun is starting to set um, it's sort of late in the afternoon but it is a winter's day so it's you know it's going to get dark quickly the moon's out looking bright and I'm stood at the front of the house beneath Ben's window looking out on the view that he has and had from his bedroom um, and I dearly, dearly wish he'd open the window right now and chuck some water over my head. <laughs> he'd always tell me to walk a particular path just so that it would align with him throwing something out the window at me and uh, and I long for that right now it's strange because I think when we moved here we saw this as our forever home we, we have a home we have a family but it's not the family that we had when we moved in and there is this beautiful quiet painful emptiness um, that is ever present and it feels like it is the future we were meant to have but because of this strange twist of fate or this cellular breakdown in Ben's body it just isn't going to come to fruition anymore and I'm looking at these skies that are going golden light and pink shades of pink going into lilac and blue and I'm just searching for Benny I'm just sort of looking out and I don't know waiting for some sort of sign it's really hard and as I'm talking now I'm aware of a really A persistent pain in the middle of my chest Which if you talk to any bereaved parent This sort of crushing Sensation And it It's persistent But it doesn't mean it stays there all the time It's particularly when I'm feeling emotional Or when I'm feeling lost or empty when I'm just missing him Missing his voice Missing his giggle I'm sort of (laughs) just permanently in this state of disbelief and longing and I think that's what it is that's what grief is and and grief is love and everything that you long to pour out into your children when one of your children isn't there where can it go well it goes into It still goes into your child, but it goes into your child wherever they are. It goes into your children that are with you and for me it goes into all my creative projects trying desperately to find some sense of peace. We've decided this year that we're, um, after uh, I've just had a little conversation with James about all of this because we were trying to figure out what, you know, what to do exactly over Christmas um, when it comes down to the nitty gritty and with cards, you know, I was saying actually I quite like the idea of if people wanted to send cards that they include Ben but then I don't really think as James was rightly saying, there's no right way or wrong way some people feel the absence warrants you know a gap in the card and other people feel they want to include him and that's i suppose up to them really we have chosen not to send cards partly because the last couple of years certainly the last year we, we just didn't get round or get organized enough and partly because the idea of sending cards from four of us just doesn't feel right so we're not going to do that I think when it comes to gifts as well James and I have decided that we we can't you know the 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 one miracle we wanted and hoped for was to have all five of us always together and you know we can't actually get each other what we wish for so we've decided not to get each other anything at all it's not that i don't love my husband it's just that i think we both feel very much in the same place at the moment i think sometimes a a good gift might be you know uh, i don't know a facial or a massage or you know just something an experience for the family to do together as and when you feel like it and of course you know, when you buy an experience, it usually has an expiry date on it at some point, And it might not be within the time that you feel ready to go out and do anything. It's a difficult space. I think there are, of course, you know, family that might want to come and see you and help and support and be around. And that's fine if you feel ready to, to cope with that, you know. I think we've always, well, in the sort of early years when we were together, we would try and see, you know, three different parts of our family in one day or over a couple of days and we actually found that really (laughs) exhausting in the end and gradually as as our family has grown and we have, you know, we've got a lovely space to be able to have people over. We have had uh, some family over um, and we have gone to visit family over the years as you do and you try to get to see everybody I have to say this year I don't feel that way at all and it's not even it's not a particularly like bar humbug situation I just I just don't feel in the right headspace to pretend I don't feel like celebrating I feel the void of Benny And yet at the same time I feel his pixie presence, willing me to, you know, pull something together. (laughs) And to try and do something special for the girls. I think that's very important to him, that his sisters feel loved and supported and they feel some sense of excitement and wonder, just as he always has done with Christmas. You know, I was saying to James the other day, I, I remember a particular <laughs> year. We were at the house that we are in now and my sister was staying in his room overnight and she had the worst sleep in the world because he kept waking up, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. Please can I look at the end of my bed? Please can I open the prezzies? You know, can I just open one? And by quarter to five in the morning, my sister sort of gave in and said, oh okay, Ben, you know. (laughs) And that was it. The household was up at sort of half four in the morning (laughs) with all the excitement. And, you know, looking back now, it was just lovely. And what a blessing, what a blessing to hear your children's voices overawed with excitement that Father Christmas has come and and you know something magical might have happened and and they come downstairs in the morning and I've got glitter and well Father Christmas has been put it that way (laughs) and there's a whacking great footprint by the fireplace and you've got all the you know the mince pies gone and the carrots gone and certainly the wine has gone and then we would get on with the day and it would just be gentle. You know, we might get out for a traditional stroll. Not so much in latter years because, you know, when we've had mum with us, bless her heart, you know, she hasn't been able to walk very far. So we've sort of taken it in turns or, you know, perhaps gone for a run through the leaves in the woods and a bit of a play in the dens, depending on whether there's snow or not. You know, so this year... You know, I, I, as I said before, I love the nonsense rubbish films. <laughs> I love them. Uh, they are atrociously written and fabulously cheesy and romantic, and that is very much what I tend to need at this time of year. I love it. And, you know, the sadness is I can't share that with my son. This year, not that he wants to watch romantic films. He used to sit in hospital when I used to watch the Adam Sandler movies and get driven bonkers by the fact that I would put them on because they would just be a bit of light-hearted nonsense and it would take us away from the, the chemo, the, the constant interruptions um, from the lovely nurses and the you know checking temperatures every five minutes and the beeping machines we could just watch a movie with the volume up a little bit more and have a good laugh and you know and he would always be there saying oh I hate Adam Sandler movies and that would be in front of his dad and then to me it would be actually he's alright I quite like those they're quite funny and I miss that a lot. And we're only 17 weeks in You know, I'm talking to you on the Sunday Sunday the 8th of December Anniversary of John Lennon You know, thinking about the song Imagine While I'm walking along as well And and my dear friend who gave uh, a little It's like a little music box And my friend uh, gave all the children one of those when she was over from Australia. And I love it. (laughs) I love the song Imagine. I used to play it in the car with Benny along with Sergeant Pepper and all those old massive classics. (laughs) And he would tap his feet, you know, certainly to Sergeant Pepper. And especially the reprise. And then... Some days... When I wasn't with Ben and he was still in hospital... I'd play Beautiful Boy. And in this journey, music is... Oh, it's such a blessing and a curse at the same time. I've always loved music. And I felt... I feel like what was the greatest symphony in my life, which is my three children. My family has been broken and for me music, sort of, I couldn't listen to anything. You know, I found it very, very hard because every single word of every single song, every lyric would mean something totally different in the cold light of day without Benny. And now, you know, when I listen to music, in fact most of the time I have songs playing in my head. I have a million dreams playing over and over today, and that's uh, from The Greatest Showman, and that was one of the songs that we chose for his day of celebration, the celebration of life and that plays a lot in my head on most days because he loved that song and and he and the girls would all sing it together in the car when we played it in the car along with the rest of the greatest showman tunes and he loved the greatest showman and we played it so much that he he ended up saying oh no not that again at one point but he loved it all And actually one of the the best things that he did on Minecraft early on with Rose was to create, (laughs) to create a circus. And with the ringmaster and, you know, all the amazing acrobats. And they did it. And then (laughs) I would walk into the room and he'd say, hang on a minute, mum. You know, we just need to put the music on. And he would start the music to one of the greatest showman songs. (laughs) And I'd be watching between the two computers, the screens that they had on that they'd created this amazing setup. Um, that's gas moaning because I've stopped. <laughs> I've stopped walking for a second. My honey is. Rolling around, she's on lead, I should say, because she uh, tends to run off, especially when I'm wandering in the woods where we don't normally go. And and she is a bit of a nightmare to get back on lead, so and she's a retriever and she just tends to do her own thing. But she's sulking at the moment, she's laying in a pile of leaves, having rolled around, she's trying to get her halty off her nose, and now she's in a sulk because. I haven't been able to take her off lead yet Whereas Gus is bounding around Because he's pretty good at going uh, back to my side fairly quickly And he's looking around at the moment And he's sniffing the air and the wind's blowing And, <laughs> and he absolutely loathes it when we stop walking So while Honey is basically lying in the leaves And almost falling asleep because she's a bit tired Gus is still ready for a very long stroll <laughs> And it bounced through the woods like the deer that he often chases but can never keep up with and he never means any harm he just likes to run alongside he's a bit of a dingbat like that so um, you know you get your Christmas carols and your songs of praise on the telly and all of that around Christmas and um, I think this year we're going to stick to comedy I think we're going to really enjoy Gavin and Stacey and something light hearted a bit of Miranda that sort of thing just to Just to keep it a bit light-hearted If we're going to watch anything at all And of course The other thing is Approaching the new year And approaching the new year You know, is Normally We all approach it and it's full of promise It's full of sort of excitement And what's going to happen next And what are we going to do And inevitably, you know, everybody's on a some sort of fitness regime, or they've chosen to give up chocolate, something that I might consider, but I've kind of got to this point where you know, most years, not all years, but some years, let's put it that way, some years James has been off and been gigging and, uh, and I'm either on my own or maybe you know, with my mum or sister, and we just we just hunker down and watch the telly, and uh, and it's a gentle, you know. Um Raise of a glass to the new year and then we all put off to bed last year, we were so grateful and are still so grateful that we had the opportunity and the blessing to have been home just before Christmas, it was amazing, it was all very quiet when we came in, you know, we finally got back from Bristol, we had a whole heap of stuff from the East Daniels house that we were in and they are an amazing charity who very much look after people that are Having to stay away from home, that are separated from their families, and they helped us out. We had the charity house, Reese House, over in Bristol, and it was an absolute godsend. And you know, just to be able to, you know, in the end, it was only for running backwards and forwards to have a shower or sort the washing out, a wash leopard every day, you know, <laughs> make sure that he was bacteria free. And, and getting fit actually or trying to get fit going up that huge hill I think it's St Michael's Hill in Bristol my goodness me when you're unfit and you're tired and you know when you're going through the mill in uh, stone cell transplant land That is one heck of a, you know, an additional thing that you don't always need And you you always think, oh, it's all right, well, go the shortcuts and go up the steep steps further down the hill And that will save me because it goes straight up to the house Oh my goodness, no, it doesn't (laughs) It doesn't save you It, uh, It makes you exhausted So look after yourselves, that's one thing I'll say to you If you happen to be in this situation right now Look after yourselves, wrap up warm Cosset yourselves just as much as you cosset And and do your best to look after your children So going into the new year, this new year anyway, into 2020 I always remember uh, that in the summer and and this is this is the bit that I find really hard as well is the fact that you know you always talk to your children when they 're going through cancer. you talk to your children trusting and hoping that everything in the future is going to be all right. You are always gearing towards. A curative treatment A miracle that saves your child And so for us, you know We were always focusing on the positive We would always talk positively about the future And something in some of those conversations I feel was Ben recognising that Perhaps the landscape had changed But he would still protect me I know he was bloody well doing it for my benefit, so bloody young and so wise and such a protective, a generous heart and we would be talking about a film, something he lived for, he loved film so much and he would... I mean, God knows what you're going to think when you hear this podcast (laughs) Me sobbing into a microphone Honestly, if you could see me now I'm standing overlooking a a field of ploughed something or other And a whole load of beautiful trees that have lost their leaves There's a nursery on my right Where there are... Trees or something growing that's obviously not growing very well in this temperature, and I have got tears running down my cheeks, <laughs> and um, and I'm you know being windswept by, uh, thankfully not a bit of breeze, but it's um, but it is a cool breeze uh, with these dogs being a slight. for me at the moment walking into muddy puddles and the like uh, which is going to be lovely when we get home uh, shortly I always remember for some reason this sticks in my head he he really enjoyed Moana and he said to me there's so many films I want to see mummy and he wanted to see Toy Story 4 which thankfully we did get to see he wanted to see a Spider-Man Far From Home which we did get to see We'd already seen, obviously, Avengers Endgame. He was desperate to see Detective Pikachu, and he'd seen the trailer. Um, That came out, ironically, on the day that he passed away. And he wanted to see Moana in, I think it comes out in February, or sometime in spring 2020. And I was hearing him and I was watching his face when he said it And he was smiling at me, he said that looks like a good movie, let's go and see that together He was really looking forward to it And I had a different conversation in my head going on Whereby when we'd been in Portsmouth we'd been told Before we'd even got back to PB uh, That Ben had likely relapsed And he wasn't going to make 2020. (laughs) And as hard as it was for her to tell us that, it was harder to hear. And it was heartbreaking to continue the conversation about Moana, something that many people will take for granted that can go and watch movies with their kids. All together. And for me, watching him talk about that and me then having to say, Yes, darling, we'll do that, I promise, knowing that it was extremely unlikely, was one of the hardest things I think I've ever really had to do. I found myself having a conversation with James this morning and he said, <laughs> He said, I love you, but you are notorious in starting things that you never finish. <laughs> and he is correct. Over the years I have done some creative things and I sort of put him in his place a little bit this morning because he was saying, you know, why aren't you doing another podcast? And he said, you started it. And he said, you've only done one. And, uh, and I said, well, hang on a minute. I said, I'm in the middle of the second one. And, and then he smiled and he said, oh, all right. Then I well, rest my case, that's fine. I'll, I'll take a step back. And I also pointed out that you know the fundraising project that started off as a whim and an idea has and is coming to fruition. Um we have raised six thousand pounds and the excess over five thousand will go to the Rainbow Trust which is fantastic and I've already ordered the boxes now I did that last night boxes and the the sort of lining a few fairy lights and things sweets to go in to start with and then we start ordering uh, the really good stuff um, on Monday um, and I'm so grateful for everybody that's pitched in because it's shown me that a simple idea um, and an act of kindness that can really help. It doesn't change what these children are going through but it might hopefully bring them a smile and give their parents a smile over Christmas while they're in hospital. So I pointed this out to James and I also pointed out that I am still working on my book Um, and that is continuing to go ahead and hopefully I'm hoping to have that finished I don't think it will ever be finished uh, in some senses because I think it's an ongoing story. But in order to help people, there will be a natural conclusion, if you like, just to be able to help others um, that find themselves in this extraordinary situation. And this conversation came about this morning because... I had another idea and I could see <laughs> when when James looked at me that he almost well he did pretty much roll his eyes and went oh for goodness sake you know can you just pick one and that has been the theme uh, very much with regard to our lives together uh, since day one you know can you just pick one idea no I can't darling I have to pick lots and and I'm actually finding that creativity is helping me to stay afloat, if that makes any sense to anybody. Uh, Some days I don't feel like doing anything at all, and other days I just need something to distract my mind um, and to help heal my emotions. My emotions are all over the place. You know, you could be. Know, well, just like now, you know, wandering in a field with dogs, and I'm trying to explain, even explaining how I feel, looking back over a situation or a memory, and the simple act of recalling something where life was. Looking back, even though we we're in the middle of a stem cell transplant uh, and a relapse in the worst situation possible. Having time with my son and having, you know, some honest, open conversations brings me to tears because I'm not going to have that opportunity again. However hard life gets, however difficult it becomes even in the worst situation when you're in hospital and you're being given information particularly where we were where the outcome is not good and not good (laughs) by anyone's standards in this situation is the worst possible news you could Ever anticipate a hearing? You don't want to hear it, you don't want to have any of the conversations that follow. But even in those horrendous moments, you realize how incredibly precious life is, how incredibly amazing it is to have your loved ones around you, and how short life is. You know, in a spiritual sense, as I've said before, it's like, you know, maybe this time on earth with my children, with my husband and my sister, my wider family, maybe this time is meant for learning, understanding and experiencing Life. I feel like I've experienced life and I've experienced death in my life. I've experienced every possible damn emotion that I could expect to feel in this situation. I've seen families go through this scenario and receive this devastating news before me. I've stood at a funeral for a young child to be there for their parents. I've stood at my own son's funeral and spoken words of love. And i found that through everything through absolutely everything all the trauma that I've experienced at the end of the day in every single moment that I have spent with my children all together I have experienced the greatest love And however hard it is to let go or not let go, to be creative or not creative, to want to see people or not see people, to want to write or not write, every day, the greatest lesson I've learned in all of this is that love is ever-present as is my son, Benny. And if there's one thing that I wish for all of you listening, it is that you experience love in your families and kindness over Christmas, that you take even whatever you take from this I hope you understand That there is always hope Even in the worst Most unforgiving of circumstances And this is completely unforgiving Grief is relentless It's unkind It's brutal it's heartbreaking but it's also love it's love so I send you all courage and hope strength and humility I hope that your loved ones surrounding you and support you. I hope that you find courage to keep facing every day. I hope that you look after yourselves and treat yourselves with kindness and gentleness. I hope that you find humour and laughter even in the most horrendous of circumstances. And I hope you find beauty Night in the darkest of times. So, this will be my second and probably my last podcast this year as I focus on the fundraising and getting the boxes out. Um, updates will be on www.vensepicjourney.org. Yes So what I was trying to say about James before I finished this Podcast is that The reason He was having A word with me is that I (laughs) I tend to start and not finish uh, Project after Project (laughs) because I Have an idea and then that idea Leaves me And I'm being perfectly honest here That is changing (laughs) wanted to do a like a free vlog about turning to creativity and grief and as ever with my creativity it comes in sort of speedy downloads and which is something I love but also because it comes in speedy downloads and it comes at any particular time in the day so at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) This morning I was finishing my introduction to this particular vlog, and I think in the next, you know, maybe over the holidays, I'll start putting that together. And I expect that will be actually found on my own website, which is uh, www.thegentlecreative.co.uk, and that might be something that might help in the future. I'm walking against the breeze now, back into a long sort of pathway through these beautiful windswept ploughed fields. So I'm going to finish for now because I have been waffling for hours and I'm sure at some point (laughs) you'll have had enough. So Raise a glass to your family, raise a glass to your loved ones and those who might be absent physically but will always be around. Always. I really believe that somewhere (laughs) they are around and they'll let you know. So I send you my love and I wish you the best Christmas you can have. Wherever you are, with your families, whatever your circumstance, wrap your arms around everybody and let them wrap their arms around you and just be held in that space of love. And when it comes to the new year, As hard as it might be for all of us in this situation I'm going to try and do it, try and look forward to continuing moving with grief, not against it, not through it, not past it, adjusting to life with grief, finding your community, your tribe, your support network finding light, finding hope and being surrounded in love. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year everyone. Thank you for listening.